So we're going to dive into the Word. If you have your Bibles, uh, our scripture reading this morning is found in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. Hey, for some of us this morning, this might be the first time that you've had an opportunity to actually open the Word and be in your Bibles. I will challenge you this morning. We're going to be walking through these verses pretty slowly together this morning. Get in the Word this morning. Um, If you're like, yeah, but I don't have a Bible with me, uh, grab your phone, download the Bible app, go to BibleGateway.com, and then follow along as well. It will be a big deal for you, I promise. So Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. Now, um, for the last couple weeks, we've been working our way through a series we're calling Me Culture, Me Culture. And in this series, what we've been exploring are some of the primary virtues of the Christian faith, some of the primary virtues of Jesus and Jesus' ministry. Now, what in the world is a virtue? What's a virtue? Um, if there's teachers or professors in the room, like that work at a college or something right now, you will be profoundly disappointed with me because I'm going to show you the Wikipedia definition of a virtue. Some of you are like that mad. I can see it already. But listen to this. I really like how how Wikipedia put it, actually. Listen to this. It says, A virtue is a trait or quality that is deemed to be morally good and thus is valued as a foundation of principle and good moral being. Now, if you just read that and you're like, still no idea what a virtue is. That didn't help me at all. You can get the Pastor John version. Here's the Pastor John version of a virtue. A virtue is a lived value. A virtue is a lived value. Um, We're calling this series Me Culture because as we're looking around at our culture, and if we're honest, our lives as well, um, one of the primary virtues that exists in our world today is what we would call a virtue of the self. A virtue of the self. A virtue is a lived value. We live for ourselves these days, unlike any time probably in human history. We are all about keeping the almighty me happy and satisfied and pleased and content and entertained and accessorized like the whole thing. It's all about the almighty me. The self is the number one thing in our culture. If you had to pick anything today, we live for ourselves to please ourselves. This is news for some of us, but the virtue of me culture and the virtue of Jesus are different. (laughs) They're radically different. You could say they're diametrically opposed to each other. Jesus spent his entire ministry devaluing himself and giving value to those who society said had none. Like that was primarily what Jesus did. It's literally the opposite of me culture. And so in this series, what we want to do is take a look at some of the virtues of Jesus. I mean, we want to challenge ourselves. Hey, like, let's adopt some of these virtues. Let's interiorize them. Let's make them part of who we are as well so we can look a little bit more like Jesus in our lives. And so um, thus far in this series, we've taken a look at four virtues. We're going to look at our next one. And our next virtue we're looking at this morning is, I'm so excited for this, justice. You can feel the air leave the room. Justice. Uh, we're going to look at Jesus' virtue of justice. And so uh, to get us there this morning, again, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. Um, it's a familiar parable to many of us. 
Um, and Ed McCarroll is going to read for us. So Ed, you can head on up this morning. And church, what we do every single week when we read scripture together is we stand for the reading of God's word, and then we face the center of the room as the scripture is read. And we do so because that is exactly where the scripture should be in our lives. So Ed, when you're ready, take it away. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, and how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of, the, of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Thanks, Ed. You all may take a seat. Keep your Bibles open there. Uh, we're going to be just walking through this morning. Um, before we do that, I want to talk about justice just for a second. Let's talk about justice. Don't leave yet. I'm just kidding. Um, the word justice is a word that is saturated in our culture these days. You can't hardly go anywhere without hearing about justice somewhere. Um, we hear the word justice on the news. We hear the word justice while we're shopping. We hear the word justice in the courtroom. Uh, we hear the word justice used and chanted during protests, right? Like justice is a major theme in our world these days. In fact, even just saying the word justice for some of us invokes an involuntary eye roll. Like, here we go. I know some of you did that. Like, oh, here we go. We're talking about justice this morning, right? Because we hear a lot about justice, and justice has sort of been married to some kind of political ideology in our culture. So justice is everywhere. Um, in fact, I have a daughter. It's her last year of elementary school, and she's at that point in her life when she wants to dress up, look a little cooler, you know. She's got to be a cool uh, fifth grader. And I can take my cool fifth grader to a store in Boise in the mall, and do you know what the name of that cool clothes store for young girls is in the mall? Justice. justice. Oh, nothing says justice to me like shopping for young girls. <laughs> it's unbelievable, actually, I think. Now, for many of us, uh, when we hear the word justice, we might think of like the court system, right? Um, justice is that moment when the judge hands down a ruling or a verdict sentencing a criminal for his crimes. And we say, 
That's what justice looks like. Uh, justice has this, this negative connotation to it for some of us. Um, action movie heroes of the 80s, they go and they take on the big baddie of the movie. They take him down, and when they're done and they won, they're like, justice is served, baby. You know what I'm talking about? Justice is served. And we're like, that's what justice looks like for some of us. Justice is what happens to the bad people in society. That's justice. Uh, for others of us, we might hear the word justice, and we actually have to add a word onto it for it to make sense for us, right? We think of the phrase social justice, right? Social justice. And in that world, justice has to do with racism and sexism and like all the other isms. There's like a lot of isms right now, I think. Um, Justice has to do with fixing broken systems in our country, um, repairing them, fixing them. Black Lives Matters talks about social justice constantly, right? And you could argue on the other side of the aisle, you have the pro-life movement, and the pro-life movement is all about justice for the unborn. It's a systemic issue, justice is, for both of those organizations. However, that's how we talk about justice in our culture. But Jesus talks about justice differently, differently. You see, justice for Jesus takes on a much smaller, narrower meaning than it does for us. You know, we tend to see justice as broad problems in society that need to be addressed. That's what justice looks like. I mean, that person's gonna go to jail, that reform is going to happen, justice is going to happen. Uh, but for Jesus, he narrows the view pretty significantly in his ministry when he thinks about justice. Uh, for Jesus, the virtue of justice is a way of living our personal lives in such a way that justice is the result in our personal lives. The world is full of injustice. I think all of us can agree on that. And our role as followers of Jesus is to bring about justice by living lives, personal lives, marked by justice. Now, our scripture reading this morning is one that I would bet, like, the vast majority of us have heard something about, right? It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, and if you know the story, you probably know there's a moral to the story. And the moral to the story of the Good Samaritan for a lot of us is, hey, you need to be a good person. You need to be the Good Samaritan in the story. The Good Samaritan is the good guy of the story. I'm not going to say that's like the worst way of interpreting that story, but Jesus has a better way of understanding what he's doing in that story. And it's more than simply be a good guy like the Good Samaritan. There's a lot more going on here, and it all has to do with justice. In fact, in this little exchange that Jesus has uh, with this person, he gives three ways to understand um, the justice of Jesus. And, and I want you to see those this morning. So if you have your Bible, we're literally just going to walk down these passages as we go, and we're going to see some things that Jesus has to teach us along the way. So if you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 10, and we're just going to start in verse 25 uh, this morning. Start in verse 25. Now listen to this. Luke says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to Jesus Teacher, he asked, 
what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this one verse, this first verse alone tells us a lot. Jesus here is talking to an expert in the law. He's an expert of Jewish law. In Jesus' day, there were regular Jewish people, and then there were like the expert in the law Jewish people. There were regular Jewish people, and then there were expert in the law Jewish people, right? This guy that Jesus was talking to would be a highly intelligent person that has spent his entire life dedicated to the task of his faith. Now, if you were one of those regular Jewish people, and you were to ask one of these regular Jewish people, hey, so, so what's the ideal Jewish person? I would bet that many of them would say, like, this guy is... This guy is. The guy that Jesus is talking to, he's like the ultimate good guy Jewish person. Now, let's just keep going. If you have your Bible, take a look at verse 25. We'll just start from the beginning again. Now, listen to this. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied, How do you read it? Jesus essentially says, you're an expert in the law. You're the Jewish good guy of your day. You tell me what the law says, Mr. Expert. You answer the question for me. And so the Jewish good guy, the expert in the law answers in verse 27 and on. Listen to this. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. He responds exactly as a Jewish person, a good Jewish person in his day would respond. And and Jesus sort of acts like like the good school teacher, right? Like, oh, good job, Jimmy, you did it. Like you answered the question the right way. Um, Verse 29, he says, um, or verse 28, he says, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. He kind of treats him like a child. Now, the Jewish expert here who's talking to Jesus, he's not done yet. He has one more question that he wants to ask. And it's interesting how Luke frames and phrases what this person wants to ask Jesus. It's verse 29 here. Now listen to this. It says, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, I love this, and... (laughs) And who is my neighbor exactly? Can we define terms here? Like, let's define what neighbor means, Jesus. We just, I need to know that. The scripture says, but he wanted to justify himself. Justify himself. It's an interesting word to use. He wanted to justify himself. What does that mean? Well, it means that this Jewish good guy, like cream of the crop Jewish guy in Jesus' day, knew that he wasn't quite living the life to reflect loving the Lord and loving the neighbor like he was supposed to. And so he wanted to justify his bad behavior. And he says, and, uh, and who is my neighbor exactly? Can we, can we talk about terms here? What do we mean by neighbor, Jesus? You know, when thinking about the virtue of justice, we might say that the opposite of justice is injustice, I think, right? The opposite of justice is injustice. But Jesus is actually a little bit more specific about this in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus might say justice is the 
opposite of self-justification. Justice is the opposite of self-justification. Those two things, justice, self-justification, they are opposed to each other. They don't work together. You can't pair them up together. Now, if you're like, well, what, what the heck is self-justification? What, what does that mean? Uh, self-justification is the ability to take your unjust actions and then you add qualifications to those unjust actions and then you add some caveats to those unjust actions and then maybe some excuses to those unjust actions so that it appears that those actions are no longer unjust, right? Like that's what self-justification is. It's exactly what this Jewish guy does with Jesus. And if we're honest with ourselves, many of us, myself certainly included in this crowd, we use self-justification all the time to avoid the virtue of justice in our lives. Now, you're probably thinking, like, how dare you? Like, prove it. Okay, let's prove this out a second. By Target in, down, in Twin Falls, there's often a guy on the corner. You've probably seen him. He holds a sign on the corner, right? And the sign says something like, need food, no job, or something like that, right? You've probably seen this guy. Maybe you've seen other guys in town like that as well. And what do we think or how do we behave when we find our car pulling up to that corner to turn right or left and we're stuck like sitting right next to him? Well, we use self-justification like crazy, don't we? If I give that guy money, he's just going to spend it on drugs and booze, right? Like, isn't that, do we tell ourselves things like this? That's self-justification for the record. Or, or we think, I just, I don't have the time to deal with this guy right now. Like, I've, I've got errands to run. I've got a place to be. I just can't do it. That's self-justification again. Uh, yeah, but the, the kids are in the back of the car, and I don't know, like, I don't trust this guy. Like, I don't know what he's capable of. That, again, that's self-justification. Um, if he would just get a job, the dude's just lazy. It's his problem. Again, that is self-justification. We do it all the time in our lives. And it's not just the homeless guy holding the sign. We do this all over the place in our lives. There are moments all the time where we have an opportunity to act and create justice for somebody else, perhaps we don't know, perhaps we do know them, and we find excuses not to do so. We do it all the time. We're not that different from this Jewish good guy in the story. Jesus says, if you want the virtue of justice, stop justifying your actions or lack of actions. Just stop. The opposite of justice is self-justification. Now, if you have your Bible, like, let's get back to our passage here a second. So the expert in the law uses self-justification. Who is my neighbor exactly? Like, can we define terms, Jesus? And Jesus decides to tell this parable of the Good Samaritan to answer him. If you have your Bible, take a look in verse 30 here a second, where Jesus begins to answer by telling this parable. Uh, it says, In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, 
and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, okay, so just pause here a second. Like, pause right in the middle of the verse because we need to pay attention to something. So there's this guy. He's dying on the side of the road. He was just robbed. He lost all of his things, right? There's this guy dying on the side of the road. And there's a priest. And this priest finds himself walking on this road. For this priest to get to the place he needs to go, he needs to walk past this guy, right? He needs to walk on beyond this guy. He could help him. He could choose not to help him at this point. But Jesus says something interesting about what this priest does. He doesn't just say, oh, locks eyes with the guy that's kind of dying on the side of the road. And then he just kind of walks by and then that's it. No, something else happens here. Look at verse 31 a second. It says, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, listen, he passed by on the other side. That's an important little tidbit of knowledge here. The priest, he's walking, locks eyes with the guy that's dying on the side of the road. He could just walk straight and go past the guy and like that would be it. He could turn and he could help the guy if he wanted to do. But that's not what he does. The priest instead walks on the other side of the road, creates as much distance as he can between himself and the person dying on the side of the road and then continues to walk by. It's interesting. He literally makes as much space as he can between himself and the dying man on the side of the road. Now, at this point, if you're this Jewish good guy that Jesus is talking to, you're, you're probably like a little taken back by this because the Jewish good guy would be like, I am the priest, basically. Like, that's who I resonate the most with in this story. And you're saying, Jesus, he's the bad guy. So you're a little frustrated. And so Jesus continues the story. And this time, a Levite comes walking down the road, locks eyes with the guy that's dying on the side of the road. Now, a Levite... A Levite worked in the Jewish temple. They spent most of their lives as close to the Lord as anybody could. Like, if you're an expert of the law, you're a big deal. If you're a Levite, like, you are cream of the crop. You're a really big deal. And Jesus continues. Take a look at verse 32. So to a Levite, when he, when he came to the place and saw him, what did he do? Pass by on the other side. Pass by, is made, made as much room as possible between himself and the person dying on the side of the road. Now Jesus is telling us something here, folks, about the virtue of justice. Justice has this spatial thing going on in the story. You know, Jesus might say that justice is creating as little space between you or me and the least of these in society. Justice is creating as little space between you and the least of these in society. And the priest and the Levite in the story could be accused of being unjust because when they got to the injustice, they created as much space as they could between themselves and the person. Now, that leads us to a great question you know, in your life, how much space is there between you and the least of these? 
Think about that. See, Jesus says, a person who lives the virtue of justice would do a lot to shrink the gap. When you look at your life, how often do you really rub shoulders with the least of these in society? If, if at all, if we're honest. Or do you largely have your life framed in such a way that you are living on the other side all the time? And that's it. It's a powerful question. Now, Jesus continues the story. He's got one more point he wants to make about the virtue of justice here. If you have your Bible, take a look, uh, starting in verse 33. And listen to this now. So we've got two people that go by this guy. They walk on the other side. And then verse 33 says, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now at this point, if you're that Jewish good guy expert of the law, you're furious at this point. Are you telling me that you have a priest, you have a Levite, and it's a Samaritan that does the right thing? Are you kidding me? Samaritans in this time, they are like the worst person on the planet to a Jewish person. They can't stand, they are the dregs of society. Nothing could be more worse than a Samaritan in society. Are you kidding, Jesus? And here's Jesus' final lesson. You see, the Samaritan does the right thing, brings justice to the dying man, comes near to the dying man. He even goes further than that. He goes over the top to help. I'll do everything for this guy. I will pay whatever it takes. You see, there's a reason why Jesus made the Samaritan the hero of the story. Because Jesus needed this Jewish good guy, expert of the law, cream of the crop kind person to see something. And that is that this Jewish guy, cream of the crop good guy, is no better than the Samaritan at the end of the day is no better. It's no better. When it comes to the virtue of justice, they in our lives, there's lots of they's that we have. There's the other. There's that person that made the bad life decisions. There's the homeless guy. There's the other side of the political aisle. Dun, 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 right? Like they're the worst people. Our enemy, we might say, we must assume that you and I are no better than them. We're no better than them. One of the easiest ways to create injustice in our world, and it happens all the time, is to have an attitude of superiority to another person in our lives. You know, I have made a living for myself. I have a career. And look at that guy. Like, he can't even hold a job. I have a good marriage. I've made all the right choices in my marriage. Like, it's all healthy. It looks good, at least from the outside. Man, look at that person. They, they cheated. Like, they're the worst. Like, they're terrible people. 
I have a home that I maintain. I take pride in my property, right? And look at this homeless guy. Like, he can't even hold down a house. Can't even do that. I'm the boss of this business. I worked hard. I created this for myself. And these are just line workers. Like, they're just nobody. Like, they're lesser. They must have made worse decisions in their life than me. I'm politically on, on this side of the aisle. And look at the other side. Ugh. Like, they're terrible people. They're the worst. An attitude of superiority is one of the easiest ways to create injustice in our lives. Super easy. Question for you. Do you ever think you are better than somebody else? Now, maybe you wouldn't say it out loud, right? You'd be like, I'm never going to say that. But maybe you think it like, yeah, that guy's a mess. Like, I'm glad I'm me, right? Do you ever do that at all? Um, If we're all honest, I, I think the answer is yes. It's yes. The virtue of justice demands that we see everyone else that we encounter as no better than us. And it's super hard to do. So the question for all of us this morning as we think about the virtue of justice, you know, justice is the opposite of self-justification. Justice is creating less space between you and them, right? Justice is assuming that, that you and I are no better than the almighty them that happen to be out there. But the big question is, when Jesus looks at your life right now, when Jesus stares and peers into your life, does he see the virtue of justice? Does he see that in you? Does he? It's a hard question to answer. If we're honest, at best, it's like, maybe? I don't know. Maybe? If you want to start living into the virtue of Jesus' justice, I have three sort of like 101 things we can work on together as a community. I'm number one on the list. You ready for this? Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. When you encounter a moment where you can make a difference and bring real justice to a situation, stop making excuses and just do the right thing. No more self-justification. Two, If you are currently not, begin doing life of some kind with the least of these. Find a way in your life to close the gap. And there's a million ways we can do that, folks. Your neighborhood, I can guarantee there's injustice in your neighborhood. Get near it. Uh, We have recovery for life on Monday nights where lots of people come with all kinds of hurts. Get near it. Get near that at our church. There's the mustard seed. There's the women's center in town. There's probably a dozen other nonprofits that their whole goal is to create justice in the Magic Valley. Get near one of those nonprofits. Get near the injustice. That's how justice is made. You know, one of the easiest things that we could do is that farmers to families thing that the mustard seed is up to. Go sign up for it with your kids and just do it. Get near it. See what happens. Um, lastly, three. 
start assuming that they, whoever that is for you and I, that they, um, whoever it is that you would consider needing justice, or perhaps even those people that you would say, man, they're unjust, that they have something that you don't. Assume it. Those lesser people maybe have something that you don't. I was in Cambodia uh, several years ago now, and I, I went like on this learning trip uh, when I was in school. And I was there, and I found myself at this house church. It's a small church. There was like 20 people that were a part of the church. They met at someone's home, and they were literally a dirt-poor church. Like the floor was dirt. Like, you know, that doesn't get more dirt than that, I think. And, and I came with this idea, like, hey, I'm educated. I have a seminary education. Like, I'm smart. I've got it figured out. I'm an American. Like, I've got all this stuff. I've got it together. I could bring so much to these people. That was until they started singing. And they loved Jesus in a way that I didn't know how. That's how it works. Assume that they have something you don't. We, we can bring justice, that's great. I can guarantee they can bring you something as well. It's an equal playing field in the kingdom of God, amen? When Jesus looks at your life, does he see the virtue of justice? That's the question to consider this week. Would Jesus say you are just? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a just God. You are a God of justice. God, all of us throw around the word justice perhaps too loosely because you are the one that defines it ultimately. And God, for you, justice looked like a cross. You're willing to die for us to make things right, to make things just in this world, and you're willing to give everything for it. God, as we, as we think about the virtue of justice, give us a heart, give us the push, give us the wherewithal to, to actually live into your vision of justice in this world and to make a difference in your name, God. Help us do that this morning. Help us do that this week. Help us do that in our careers, in every place you lead us, God. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let me leave you with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord raise his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen, church?